Well, hey, welcome to uh, Train Talk with Train Tech. This is your host, Paul Gillette, uh, another in our series that uh, we do for model railroad hobbyists. And, of course, on the line today, coming from the uh, recently thawed out New, uh, New England area, is Gary Polino, who now has electricity back on. And uh, so, Gary, you getting caught up from all those days you guys were snowed out and blacked out? Yeah, we're getting back to reality. Uh, <laughs> we had a, uh, a nice uh, unexpected uh, October snowstorm that uh, really did quite a bit of damage up here. We were without power for several days, and as like we were just discussing, uh, you figure there's nothing else to do, so I'll go down in the basement and work on the railroad, and well, guess what? You can't, mm-hmm. because all that runs on electricity, too. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh you know, it's been a while. Uh, it was a year ago, I think, in June when we had our first conversation. So we've got a lot of new listeners. So I thought it might be good just to kick this session off just by uh, reviewing just who Train Tech uh, LLC is. So why don't you give us a background? Um, when did you actually start with Train Tech, start that company? Well, I actually started um, Train Tech uh, probably about 10 years ago or so, and I was doing uh, decoder installations for, um, you know, friends and um, various club members um, here in Massachusetts, and um, a lot of the guys just really were intimidated about tackling a decoder installation, and I uh, I really enjoyed it, and um, I also added special lighting effects like ditch lights and marker lights and, you know, try to start taking advantage of all, um, all the the capabilities of the decoders. And uh, so I kind of had that as a little side business and I was working as a full-time electrician is what um, I had been doing professionally uh, for almost 20 years. And uh, I was actually pretty fortunate because I worked as a contractor on the MBTA here in Boston, uh, installing signals and traction power. So not only did I get to uh, work with trains as a a kid with my father at home, but I, uh, you know, grew up and got into an industry where I actually got to work on the railroad. So I had the best of both worlds. Okay. And for people outside of New England, MBTA is what? Massachusetts? uh... The Massachusetts Bay Transportation Authority, MBTA for short, and they run um, the subways and uh, they have a commuter railroad here that's um, operated in the greater Boston area as well. Um, And um, so I was uh, working as an electrician and kind of having train tech as a side business. And um, I made a friendship with um, a local business uh, here in Massachusetts called Trackside Sales, and um, he was looking to expand and, and get into the technology, so I was helping him out part-time, and um, then I says, you know, it's, it's just uh, my wife and I, we didn't have any kids, so if I was ever going to make a career change, uh, you know, what is, was a good time to do it, so um, about uh, five, five or six years ago, I um, Gave up working as an electrician and uh, was working with the the, uh, the store, and uh, it was uh, was starting to grow. And then in 2008, when the economy tanked, um, we decided to close the store, and my business partner decided to get out altogether. And I wasn't really ready to walk away, so I started Train Tech on the fly. And uh, we basically decided to focus primarily on train controls, um, DCC, MTH, DCS, Line L, TMCC, and uh, signaling and all the other um, technology attributes of the hobby, and uh, we've been uh, growing ever since. Okay, great. Now, how many how many techs? I've talked to Phil, who uh, focuses on the MTH uh, DCS system. How many people do you have uh, tinkering with trains there? Well, we've got um, um, one full time technician here at the bench, uh, Carlton. And um, I've got four part-time technicians that, um, you know, when they're available, they uh, come in. And uh, we also, Don Iris is one of them who we had an interview with last summer, uh, last summer, if you recall, on yes. his Providence and Worcester Railroad. And, um, and it, the uh, business is growing such that uh, we're probably going to be looking to hire another full-time technician uh, in the very near future. We're fortunate that uh, when a lot of businesses are, are 
being very gun shy about expanding in this current environment, um, you know, we're 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 growing somehow. Wow, and, that's great. Um, so we're we're pretty excited about it. Now you guys go beyond just the uh, the greater Boston area in Massachusetts. You're pretty much interstate and international, aren't you, on your customer base? Oh sure, we uh, yeah we ship globally. Uh, we have uh, a very large customer base in the UK, Australia, New Zealand, uh, as well as Europe and Japan. Um, so we're you know we it is truly a global economy, and um, you know with uh, the the USPS uh, Priority Mail International service, you know things can uh, can get overseas in a matter of uh, you know less than a week in a lot of cases. So we're uh, certainly taking advantage of it. Okay. Now, I know that. Well, let me not presume, but do you have the uh, the ability to secure, like, if I'm looking for an SD40-2, you can just get that, so I don't have to buy one here and ship it to you. Oh, sure. We um, we pre-order locomotives for uh, customers all the time. We um, we we. We don't stock the locomotives and boxcars and freight cars because we're, you know, that's not our primary business, but we have access to pretty much everything under the sun. We're even a, Wal- a Walters dealer. Okay. So if, um, you know, if there was something that you were interested in, um, you certainly could pre-order it from us. And we have that um, quite a bit because there's, you know, little extras that some guys might want on um, a locomotive that might not come factory equipped, for example, uh, maybe installation of uh, lit marker lights or classification lights um, on a model to supplement uh, factory sound. Um, and uh, we do that uh, quite often. Okay. Well, it's good to know because I had, had uh, just ordered a uh, – River Rossi did a new release of Big Boys and Alleghenies. And I had ordered an Allegheny in without sound, and I thought – Boy, I wonder how this would work, shipping this thing over to uh, Gary in Boston to have him do the, the sound and light and the steam locomotives. So, But you can order things in like that. Sure. Okay. Um, and, um, you know, and if you've got locomotives, you certainly can uh, ship them uh, to us. We have them shipped in from all over the world. And I can honestly say in the six years that I've been doing this, I have never lost a shipment or had something damaged in transit. No kidding. Well, that's great. Yeah. We've had you know, uh, very good luck. I got a box of pasta in from Marietta, Ohio today, and it looked like, you know, a couple trucks <laughs> had run over it. <laughs> well, you you do need to pack it with care, I will say that, because uh, there are there are some gorillas that work for some of these shipping outfits. <laughs> but uh, I think they also double with the Samsonite luggage company. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Seen that commercial. Hey, what's uh, what's the uh, the hot topic? that uh, people wanting to know, you know, we've been working through the, the series of the basics of uh, DCS. We've talked about uh, wiring blocks. We talked about the aux box as far as power control and so forth. What are the, uh, the next series of topics that, you know, as we progress through the, uh, you know, more complex topics that we need to address in this series in your mind? Well, um, I think we probably should talk about uh, one of the a, a very hot new product uh, by Ring Engineering, uh, which is their new RailPro radio control system for HO scale. And um, we probably also want to touch on we're we're seeing quite a bit um, with G scalers and uh, battery control instead of running with track power, um, okay. especially, especially for uh, folks that run outdoors, uh, that you're, uh, you're not relying on track power, so you don't have to become a, a slave to maintenance with oxidized track and so forth. And, okay. um, and, and in a lot of cases, um, those, uh, they're running with radio control as well. Um, so there's, um, there's quite a bit there that we can take a look at. And um, also, you know, we'll probably should look at getting into um, different decoder installations, uh, you know, some of the, the um, advantages and pitfalls of uh, certain locomotives. Um, but uh, radio, uh, especially this Ring Engineering Rail Pro, is uh, very, very exciting right now. We've got a lot of interest in that. Okay. Why don't you uh, 
when I think of DCC, which has wireless, but if I understand it correct, the signals, the coded information is still going through the rails. And Ring is sending theirs direct to the locomotive via the air? That's correct. Um, with radio or wireless control DCC systems, the wireless communication is taking place from your handheld throttle to a radio receiver that's connected to the DCC system, and then uh, it, uh, the signal uh, communications to the locomotive is going out through the rails like it normally would. Um, with radio control systems, which is really not very new for model railroading, it's uh, been out there for a while, um, Crest, uh, Aristocraft's line, uh, they've been making uh, radio control for the large scale for quite some time, and there's CVP products, Airwire, um, and and others. I you know I don't want to exclude anybody, but there are a number of them out there. But uh, last year, Ring Engineering came out with their RailPro, and they're targeting the HO market, which really hasn't been explored um, too in depthly. And their system is—it's uh, very, very high tech. I mean, they really—they really get a, a, an A in in, um, in their design. And what the system is doing is, you've got a handheld uh, controller, and it's um, all color touchscreen, and it communicates directly with a radio receiver in the locomotive. Uh, the radio receiver is. Um, for those who have installed sound decoders, it's about the size of like a Soundtrack Tsunami TSU-1000 or uh, a QSI Quantum uh, Revolution uh, U decoder. And it has a harness on it uh, that has an 8-pin plug, so it can actually plug right directly into a, a DCC-ready locomotive. And or it has also has a, a nine pin JST header on it that you can unplug the harness and you can even plug it directly onto uh, an Athern quick plug uh, DCC connector in some of their uh, locomotives. Um, and the receiver also has uh, sound uh, with 16 bit recordings. Um, it's got very, very, very high quality sound and it's got multiple function outputs uh, for headlight, backup light, uh, and two extra functions that you could use for ditch lights, for example. And um, it's, uh, it's very, very cool. So now you're, you're taking out the element of having to rely on carrying both uh, uh, power and the DCC signal through the rail. Um, you only need to rely on having uh, just a straight DC power source to the, to the track and the communication is going directly from the handheld right to the locomotive itself. And now we um, we have the ability now with these with this system um, to program start voltage and uh, you know momentum just like you would with a DCC system. But mm -hmm. one of one of the key features of this system. Um, that has never been seen before in model railroading is its ability of consisting. Now, radio control is real-time communication. We're starting to get into uh, two-way communication with DCC systems, um, but it's not as fast as radio. And what they've done with this system is you install the radio receiver, and then they have a setup mode that you go through. And basically what happens is the system uh, records motor load voltage and current and RPM, and it stores that data. And then what you do is you can take two completely dissimilar locomotives, like an Atlas and an Athern, for example, that run somewhat differently. And because the uh, radio control is real-time bi-directional communication, not only are we communicating from our handheld to the locomotive, but now you've got communication from locomotive directly to locomotive. And what they did with that is now the lead locomotive in a consist sets the pace, and it communicates to the trailing locomotives. And those trailing locomotives will automatically self-adjust their um, load and, and speed based on the lead locomotive. So there's no need to do any kind of custom speed matching. The locomotives are communicating and self-adjusting so that that consist runs down the track and there's minimal 
push-pull as you would see in, in uh, traditional consists that need to be speed matched. Get out of town. Yep, it's, um, it's pretty amazing what they've done with this. And um, I think just that feature alone is, is well worth the look at, um, at this method of, of controlling trains. Okay, now, and it's fully compatible with other DCC systems that? Well, it's, um, I wouldn't say that it's compatible with DCC systems because it's not DCC. It's, um, it's, a, it's a form of command control. Okay. But but it's radio based, um, so it's communicating um, through the air instead of through the track. But what you can do is the um, the receiver in the locomotive is looking for a constant voltage. Now Ring offers a um, a pretty hefty DC power supply that gives you good clean DC power, and uh, their power supply also has a uh, built in. A radio repeater that uh, extends um, the range of your uh, your handheld. Um, but what we've been doing a lot of testing, and um, they've confirmed, is that you could actually just place your locomotive on a layout that currently has DCC, and because we've got constant voltage on the track, that's enough for the radio receiver to get its power. So essentially, if you had the RailPro system at home and you wanted to go over a buddy's house, um, if you had, uh, let's say, NCE at home and your buddy had uh, Digitrax, you wouldn't be able to take your NCE throttle and go over to his house and run because the throttles aren't compatible. But with RailPro, you could just take your handheld and your Locos, uh, put it on your friend's layout, and use his DCC system as the power supply, and now you're just communicating again directly from your handheld to um, that locomotive, and you're running, and you're completely independent of whatever DCC system he's running. Okay. Now, going back to to the consisting, do for the consisting to work with that bidirectional, do all the locomotives in a consist have to have the ring engineering decoder? Yes, they um, they all would need to have their radio receiver um, in in each locomotive uh, because that's the only way that it would be able to communicate. Because again, it's not communicating through the track like conventional okay. DCC. Okay. Well, that's just now. Am I correct that sound is built into the ring system? Yes, they um, they they have a. Um, the ability in those receivers to upload um, sound sets, and they've got uh, some recordings going. Um, for example, they've got uh, an EMD 645 with a roots blower, which uh, is great for uh, switching engines like a GP8, GP38-2, for example, which is a non-turbocharged engine, and uh, they've got a fantastic recording of it. Um, they've also just recently recorded uh, an EMD 710, and they've got, um, I believe, a steam locomotive. Uh, they don't quite have as many sounds as some of the other sound manufacturers yet, but you know they're just they're trying to catch up with um, with their recordings. But it's all uploadable, so um, you don't buy a receiver that has a specific sound set. Um, what you do with your handheld, it comes with a USB cable, and you just plug it right into your laptop or PC, and you go into the Ring Engineering website. And they have a web tool that you use, and you select all the sound files and everything that you want, and you download them right into your handheld. And then what you do is you communicate to whichever locomotive that you want to uh, upload the sound set, and on your touch screen, you go through a series of menus, and you just bring up the uh, locomotive, and you upload the sound file and special lighting effects that you want right to the uh, the receiver, and um, it it just does it all all for you. Um, the, you don't even have to address the um, the locomotive. For example, like in uh, DCC, we um, you know we usually program the road number um, in there for an address. With the um, with this this system here, you when you first put a, a new locomotive on the track, you um, you go onto your handheld and you hit the find uh, feature and it searches uh, for new equipment that it doesn't have um, logged in, and it'll find the new equipment, and um, it'll uh, communicate to it, and it basically has an address in, the, in and of itself in the handheld. And um, 
what they uh, what they have it's kind of cool is you actually have icons and you can take a picture of your locomotive and send it into uh, Tim Ring at Ring Engineering and he will convert that photograph into an icon that you can put on your handheld so when you're ready to call up a locomotive you go into the locomotive menu and you just see the picture of it and you just tap on it with your finger and that locomotive is now loaded up and you uh, you've got uh, your menu with all the features right there wow this is uh, um, <laughs> that's amazing. That's a uh, lot more simple than, like you say, setting CVs and all that on a on a traditional, you know, through the track DCC system. Right, and matter of fact, uh, that you mentioned CVs. Um, another advantage of uh, having the uh, radio real time communication is, um, for example, setting volume control. Now, with uh, traditional DCC sound decoders, we um, either key in uh, various CVs and values with our handhelds or maybe use um, a software program like JMRI's Decoder Pro. Uh, with the Ring Engineering, you go through your touchscreen menu and you get to, let's say, the master volume for the locomotive. So you go into that menu and now they've got a, um, a knob control on their handheld for um, speed increase and decrease. But when you're in this programming menu, you uh, go in there, it's, you go into master volume. Now you just turn the volume up or down with the knob on the throttle, just like you'd adjusted it on your, on your television set. And you'll actually hear the volume rise and fall real time as you do that. Wow, that is amazing. Uh, for, for the listeners out there, you can, uh, the Ring Engineering website is, of course, www.ringengineering, all one word, R-I-N-G-E-N-G-I-N-E-E-R-I-N-G.com. Boy, there's a mouthful. And the, uh, it shows photos of the uh, different locomotives. And that's cool, just calling up a locomotive by its, by its photograph. That is really neat. Yep, it's a very, very cool high-tech system, uh, but to go, go to their website and check it out. And I uh, was talking with Tim uh, the other day, and they are trying to put the finishing touches on a uh, promotional video that they're going to be uh, putting up on their website and, I think, YouTube. Um, so keep an eye out for that, and um, you'll be able to get a, a real, uh, real look at the system. Okay. Well, that is that is neat. Now, how does this compare because i know you if i understand it right all right so you've got to buy the uh the decoder which i think he calls the uh lm1 the locomotive module then you've got a handheld controller and then a power supply so a basic system and a uh, decoder so how much are you out of pocket just when you get started well, it's um, it's actually pretty affordable. Um, it's uh, the handheld controller um, is available for two ninety nine ninety five, so it's just under three hundred bucks. And if you compare that to a lot of radio control DCC systems, mm-hmm. um, it's actually um, uh, a bit less. And um, the uh, the LM one locomotive module, and uh, and keep in mind this also has sound in it as well. Um, you can get the the um, LM1 module for 74.95, which is uh, you know it's around the price of a, uh, a sound decoder, like uh, for example a Soundtrack Tsunami. Their AT boards are um, 79.95, so it's right in the same ballpark um, as that. They are planning on um, coming out with a non-sound module, which will be um, a little less expensive, um, so that if you didn't want to put sound in every single locomotive, you could put the the LM1 in your lead locomotive and have uh, motor lighting and sound control. And then the trailing units could have the um, regular radio receiver with just motor and lighting control. Okay. Um, so it's, um, it's actually fairly inexpensive to get into. They have um, their power supply uh, that's uh, $200, but, and, um, you know, it's a pretty hefty power supply that gives you a pure DC. So if you add that to the, uh, the handheld you're probably around $500. And if you compare that to, say, a Digitrax or uh, uh, NCE radio um, system, um, it's, a, it's about in the $500 range. So it's uh, pretty uh, pretty comparable. Okay. 
Um, and one thing I do want to mention um, that uh, I've talked with Ring Engineering about and uh, is their power supply in using pure DC. Um, one of the, the, the benefits of using pure DC for tracks of track power supply is your track and wheels actually stay substantially cleaner. Um, I, I don't know if uh, some of our listeners, if you think back when you uh, were running analog with regular power packs and then you converted to DCC, um, you probably notice that you're cleaning your track a little bit more since converting to DCC than when we ran analog. And uh, one of the reasons that is, is that uh, DCC, as we all know, has a, a bit of a square wave to it. So you have a rising and falling um, in, that, in that voltage. And what happens is on the, the bottoms of the wheels as it's uh, going across the track, there's actually little tiny little bits of arcing that's taking place. And a byproduct of that arcing is carbon buildup. Um, so our tracks actually get a little dirtier. And with uh, conventional pure DC, it goes to its maximum and stays there. So you don't have that, that little arcing process. So the, uh, the track is actually um, stays a lot cleaner. So uh, it's actually cleaner to run it that way. Okay. But um, it's not, um, you know, it's not to say that, you know, DCC is not a way to go. It's just, um, just, a, just a side note that I had a conversation with Tim about, and uh, I really hadn't thought about it until he mentioned it, and I was thinking back to the old days with DC, and um, I don't think I cleaned my track as much. Okay. Well, I've, I had heard about the uh, very small amount of arcing on DCC systems contributing to more frequent, so you've, uh, cleaning, so you've, all right, that puts it into a context, and what is pure DC versus regular? Is it, it's wavelength, or what did you say it was? Well, DCC um, has a wave. If you think back to our high school physics class when we used to talk about AC sine waves. Right. And it fluctuates with a certain cycle, um, regular 110-volt house power is 60 cycles. So it goes from a zero to its maximum and then back to zero and then and its ma- maximum in the opposite direction. So you actually have that fluctuation, whereas uh, pure DC, it goes from zero to its maximum and stays there. It doesn't have any kind of a waveform to it. So if you were to look at it with an oscilloscope, um, you, would, you, know, you wouldn't see that, um, that sine wave shape. So DCC... Um, it's got the characteristics of both DC and um, an AC waveform, so it's kind of a square wave that's with it. But it's got that fluctuation, so you actually do have that little pulsing. Um, it, and, and this is happening super fast. It's not something that you really can see with the naked eye. Right. Um, and it's uh, you know it's not like it's burning up carbon and pitting wheels and that, but it's just a it's uh, it's just a process of over the course of time. It's um, just kind of a little bit of a trivial side note. Uh, to okay. the system. All right. Now, do you, what kind of an impact do you – you'd mentioned that other people out there have, have uh, in larger scales, have used the same technology of like Radio Direct. Um, do you see this being a game changer in HO train control? Um, I Some of it still remains to be seen. Um but I think once uh, folks start realizing the benefits of using radio control, it's, I think ultimately long-term it's going to open up a whole new way of controlling our railroads that um, I don't think we've all given a whole lot of thought to. Um, you know, they're also working on um, a turnout control module. So uh, just like with DCC, we have um, stationary decoders and accessory decoders. They'll have a module to uh, control turnouts uh, and accessories. Uh, but I, I think where we're – a lot of us who have DCC now um, or are considering uh, getting into uh, a command control system and we have aspirations of train control um, – with maybe a, a computer or, you know, having automatic train control with a signaling system. I think this radio control, because it's real-time communication, is going to possibly open up a lot of doors that we haven't thought of yet. Okay. Now, you mentioned uh, you could download sound files, and you also mentioned light profiles? Yes. Um, 
just like we do with TCC, we can have special lighting effects like a strobe light on the roof of a locomotive or ditch lights or mm -hmm. Mars light. Um, they have the ability to support those lighting effects as well. And basically what they did is they have those files right on their website and um, you can download them. And as they come up with new um, effects and new sound sets, you use their web tool and plug your handheld right into your PC. You download those features into your handheld and then um, you call up your locomotive on the handheld and you can upload those, those changes right into the LM1 receiver in the locomotive. And then what you would do is you would go through um, the locomotive menu and on the touchscreen of the RailPro handheld, you can create um, your own custom buttons that you can click on. Okay. And those buttons uh, will give you access to these features like turning on the ditch lights and, um, and blowing the horn or they've got um, you know, the com uh, air compressor um, spitter from the, um, the water separator valve and um, much in the way we would press a function button on our throttle um, they have the ability to um, to do that with the touchscreen but you can take it you know even further than with what we can do with DCC because you can totally customize whatever buttons you want and put them where you want for for access um, they also support uh, manual notching of the prime mover um, which I, I've always enjoyed that, um, even with the soundtrack started that years ago, being able to manually notch your prime mover up. So if you were going to, you know, start a 50 car train out of the yard, mm -hmm. you know, you can get that prime mover up to run, you know, run four or five and, and wind it right up and, and then just crack the throttle and have that train start moving slowly, just like you would, uh, you would in the prototype. Cool. Now, is there... Because all this stuff is stored on the, the handheld control, right? Mm -hmm. So there's some kind of flash memory in there? Is a hard drive? How is it stored? Um, I, I think um, Ring could probably answer that a little bit better than I could. Okay. But I, it's, um, it's definitely some type of a, a flash memory that is, um, that's rewritable based on downloading from their um, website. But the whatever features that you... Um, upload to a locomotive that will stay in the uh, the receiver in the locomotive oh okay and it just you know much in the way uh, a decoder uh, in dcc would store a lighting profile or a sound profile that we we set up um, that information stays right with it and then you also have a profile for the locomotive stored in the um, hand controller which when you go to the locomotive screen and bring up the locomotive that you want to run uh, whatever custom buttons or anything that you might have created um, stays right uh, right on that uh, that handheld. Okay, so in that sense, the decoder is actually like a little jump drive. It's got a memory that uh, you program to, and it so the instructions, the profile actually is within the decoder on the locomotive. Yeah, I guess that would probably be um, a good example of it. Um, okay, flash, like a flash memory stick. Okay, I always thought it was new each time it was coming out of the control unit, and you know it was just like an operating system on the locomotive more than a storage device. Okay, that's cool. Uh, I'm gonna try and get a uh, get Mr. Uh, Ring on here so we can talk to him uh, in a show because I'm fascinated by this type of uh, technology. I've always been a little bit intimidated by DCC, and uh, but I could be very compatible or comfortable with this stuff. Uh, what was the other thing you mentioned, Gary, when we started out uh, some developments or technology that we should be talking about? Okay, Gary, you'd mentioned a while ago that there's, you know, the large-scale guys have been doing battery power. Uh, and especially in an outdoor layout, so that you don't have to uh, worry about cleaning your garden rail track and so forth. I know that uh, there's a company that makes trucks that have a motor in them, Northwest Shorelines, and I forget the what they call it, but the fact that the truck is internal or the motor is internal to the truck, frees up a lot of space within a car body that 
even an HO could conceivably be a decoder, be it ring or NTE or whomever, but also batteries to where we could free ourselves from, you know, having to worry about clean track. Do you see that as a possibility downstream? Well, I think HO is still going to be um, limited because of space. Um, theoretically, you could uh, create a battery car. Uh, for example, you could take a box car and and put in a um, uh, one of the newer lithium-ion cells, and you could use that to power your locomotive and power the ring engineering um, receiver module. Uh, where we where we really do see battery control um, has really taken off is in garden railroading. Um, folks have been doing this for quite some time, but the um, the advent of this new lithium lithium ion cells has really opened up um, new doors because um, the cells um, they last a lot longer, and you don't uh, you don't have the slow degradation of performance. For example, if you take some of the old NiCad batteries, you ever have like a Dewalt. Um, battery-operated drill, and you're going along, and it's running at its high RPM, and then gradually it starts slowing down, and then even though it's moving, it's really not usable for drilling. Right. Um, what the new lithium cells, um, you basically have full power out of them uh, for a set period of time, and then when they, when they run out, I mean, they just stop. But for model railroading, um, it's very advantageous because, you know, you've got the full enjoyment of full performance of your locomotive um, for that duration of time that the battery will hold the charge. So that way there, you're not, uh, you're not dealing with that slowdown effect. And um, we've seen a significant increase, um, especially here in the Northeast of uh, guys that have gotten railroads. And um, because we have such a drastic change in the seasons around here um, uh, or folks that might live near the ocean, um, you've got your rail is oxidizing and um, it really can make uh, for some maintenance headaches. And sometimes you become more of a slave to maintaining the railroad than actually getting to enjoy it. Okay. So with uh, the battery technologies, um, G-scale steam locomotives, for example, uh, we just recently did for um, USA Trains uh, their um, Hudson locomotive, uh, which is a beautiful piece. It's all die cast. It's nice and heavy. I mean, I think that the tender and the uh, the boiler between the two of them, I think the whole unit weighs around 40 to 50 pounds. And um, from one of our battery suppliers, we um, we installed an 8,400 milliamp lithium ion pack in the, in the tender. And we put a, um, a train engineer revolution by Crest receiver up in the, um, in the boiler. And what we did is we disconnected the leads from the wheel pickup and connected that right to the um, the battery and now the battery is supplying full power through the radio receiver and again similar to uh, the ring engineering system the train engineer revolution is communicating directly to the radio receiver and the locomotive and much in a way um, with DCC it wires in series between the track pickup and the motor Mm-hmm. So you don't you don't get any any current to that motor until you tell it to. Um, but now the fact that we're running on battery control, um, we have got total freedom uh, from track power at all. So now it doesn't matter how oxidized, how dirty that track gets. You just go out there and you can concentrate on running. Okay, well that's got to be a big boost in the enjoyment factor. Absolutely, because you know you um, after maybe a long frustrating day at work, you want to come home and, and run and not uh, not have to do more work. And um, and that uh, that ability to do that um, has really come a long way, and that's why um, we're seeing such an increase of it. And it's become a real family hobby too, because um, you know you get you get out there in the yard, and uh, mom maybe gets some landscaping, and the kids get to have some fun with it, and dad gets to have his railroad, and everybody's happy. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the uh, there's a real large layout not too far from here, and the guy, uh, the hobby shop where I buy most of my stuff, Bob had actually helped the guy convert a lot of his stuff to battery from you know powered track because his 
layouts over a couple of acres, and I can just imagine <laughs> how much time it took on uh, O-Gage to uh, you know, keep that amount of truck clean. Well, yeah, that'll be it'll be a, a significant amount of work. Um, but with um, talking about this Hudson that we did uh, with the lithium-ion cell mm -hmm. and and putting in such a nice, um, sizable power pack, um, the gentleman's actually um, he's getting about four to four and a half hours of runtime um, on that, and I, I think that's pretty good. I mean, I <laughs> I don't think I have I don't think I have enough time sometimes more than an hour or two to run my HO train. So to be able to be out in the garden railroad running four hours would be pretty good. Yeah. Uh... While you were talking, I went to the uh, Northwest Short Line. They call that tr motor that's built into the truck, I think it's the, wait a minute, let me get to the top of this web page. Yeah, the Stanton Drive. Oh, sure. Is what they call it. And then t you're talking about high-capability uh, batteries because they have that Stanton radio cab, and they also have a, lipo battery power supply that they use for that so maybe that's the the direction that you're talking about very uh single cell battery that has i guess an incredible amount of uh, runtime on it i know they talked about it at the uh, national show last summer right um and what we use um we use multi-cell uh, lipo batteries okay and um the battery company cordless renovations that we work with um, they, um, they're a manufacturer of um, batteries for um, thousands of EMS companies throughout uh, the United States. And um, they're also G-Skill uh, railroaders. So they said, well, we've got this ability here. So let's um, take a look at what we can come up for G-Scalers. So uh, what we'll do with customers is we will basically take the locomotive that you have and um, figure out the weight of the locomotive, for example, and then we would uh, would talk with you about um, what kind of trains that you're going to be running, the lengths of them, and you know the weights of some of the cars, so we can kind of get a total weight of the train, um, how much runtime that you'd like to get, and probably what your steepest grade is. And uh, we've got a calculation program that we deal with with those guys, and um, you know we'll size up what the recommended battery size would actually be, and then we'll see what the uh, the dimensions of that battery is and um you know see where we can fit it uh, sometimes instead of putting one large battery pack in we'll put a series of smaller cells that are all linked together um and kind of spread the batteries out um and so a lot of times we'll do that in um diesel locomotives because the you know some of the narrow hood units like EMDs you don't have a lot of room for one big big battery whereas we can kind of spread them out um in there um, something like an e unit or an f unit you've got a little bit more room in there um, but the idea is to get as big a battery in there that you can uh, possibly fit to kind of maximize your your runtime okay uh, what's a what's a battery pack cost for one of those locomotives well they're not uh they're not cheap um uh, uh the 8400 milliamp um lipo pack that we're talking about i think that was uh i think it's 189.99 um, so there is some expense to it, but if you also look at, you know, what you might have to purchase for external power supplies and, and so forth, it kind of kind of evens out. Okay. But the uh, but the advantage of it too, though, is like I say, is you you've got total freedom. You're not you're not having to deal with track power whatsoever. And if you if the other alternative too that some folks will do is instead of um, necessarily having the batteries in the locomotive. Um, we can construct a battery car, um, be it a gondola or a box car or, or something covered. And um, we've got the uh, carrier board that fits right inside there. That'll have the charger and the battery. And um, it can also be set up even for sound. And um, that'll have a harness on it. So what you can do is you can have your locomotives with the receivers in them and a, a harness on them and they won't have any battery power in a locomotive. So what you would do is you just put this battery car behind any locomotive that you want to run. Um, and then that way there you can share that between multiple locomotives. So you're not tied to putting batteries in every single locomotive. Okay. So almost like a functional MU cable between the locomotives. Exactly. Okay. Shoot. That's cool. Uh, now, 
so you've got the power within the locomotive via, uh, via the battery. So there you're using a radio control system, right? Yes, because you're not uh, transmitting anything through the track. Um, now you've got to look at a radio control system. So there's um, there's multiple options that you can do. I mentioned the um, train engineer revolution by um, by Crest. Um, another option is uh, by QSI Solutions. Um, their aftermarket decoder. Um, they're about to release their new Titan series of um, sound decoders, and um, what they have that works with their decoder, it's called the G-Wire radio receiver. And um, so you'd install the QSI decoder and the G-Wire receiver right in the locomotive and wire it in pretty much just like you would with a a regular decoder. Um, And NCE has made a a special throttle um, that communicates directly from the handheld throttle to the G-Wire receiver in the locomotive. And now the, uh, the QSI uh, and G-Wire receiver will get its power from the onboard battery. And again, you're, you're controlling um, the, the, the train through the radio and uh, not relying on track power. Cool. Now, did any of these batteries, uh, can you, if you had a powered section of track and you move the locomotive to that powered section of track, can you recharge batteries up through the uh, the wheels into the battery, do you have to remove them? There's a number of different ways that you could do that. Um, we have done that for customers where we put in a, um, a double pull, double throw um, toggle switch, and uh, you put it in the run position or the charge position. And in the charge position, um, that would now connect the, um, the wheels into the circuit so that with a constant power on the track, you could charge the battery. Um, you can um, also have a charging jack uh, tied in to the um, to the locomotive so that you could use an external charger and that might be a case of um, you know if you don't have the room in a locomotive to add the charger and the battery uh, plus there's a cost factor there too because you um, if you put uh, onboard chargers in addition to the battery you're also um, the cost of an onboard charger is on there, and the you know a good one of those is probably uh, seventy dollars anyway. Oh wow! Okay. So, so that can get kind of expensive. So um, more more often than not, we wind up um, using external uh, battery chargers. Okay. Plus, then you get to you got to figure out a space to put the battery charger too. Right. Okay. Um, in the case of a um, a battery car. Um, because now you've got, let's say, a, a nice full-size 50-foot box car. There's plenty of room in there, so you, you could definitely fit in both the battery pack and the charger um, all in one. Okay. Now, all right. Sounds good. Uh, anything else that comes to your mind that we want to include in this uh, broadcast? Well, something uh, related to what we're, we're talking about here is we are currently working with USA Trains and QSI Solutions, and we are developing a retrofit kit specifically for USA Trains locomotives. And what that kit's going to in- entail is you will replace their factory uh, board with our board, and our board will have built onto it a um, a socket um, which is to the uh, Aristocraft format. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aristocraft um, had developed this uh, this particular socket, um, and it's kind of become the unofficial standard of um, DCC ready um, capabilities in in G scale locomotives. Uh, Bachman also uses this um, this style socket. So we're currently working on an aftermarket board that basically you will put this. Um, this board in place of the factory circuit board on a USA Trains locomotive, and we will have the large-scale aristocrat-style socket built right on board. Um, and we will also have um, conver- uh, conversion boards for lighting um, that will have LEDs for the headlights and marker lights and number boards. And it'll have a wire harness attached to it with a connector, and the connector will plug directly into our board. So it'll make Converting this locomotive to uh, being a DCC-ready or control-ready locomotive, um, it'll it'll really simplify the work. And then now having that Aristo socket available, um, there's a number of different um, pieces of equipment on the market that 
work with that format. For example, Digitrax makes um, a G-scale decoder in the Aristo format. So you could now put our kit in and then you could take the Digitrax decoder and plug that right directly in the socket and away you go. Now you have a DCC controlled uh, locomotive that has uh, motor and lighting control. Um, if you want to uh, put sound in there, you could uh, take one of the new um, Titan um, Aristo decoders and now plug that right into our socket and now you're uh, you're ready to go with um, motor sound and lighting control. Um, the Crest um, train engineer revolution receiver is also to that Aristo format so you can actually plug that right into our board. Um, so it's going to make converting the uh, USA trains locomotives very very easy. Okay. Um, we're hoping to have that uh, shipping um, by the first of the year if uh, everything goes well. Um, and we are also very proud to say that uh, this product and our Oxbox product uh, that we've been making is made right here on shore uh, in both the USA and Canada. We are not going overseas and we're trying to, trying to push American made as best we can. Well, that's good to hear. I, uh, that is just really good to hear. That's a, that's a good effort to do that. And I know it's not easy because of... You know, I guess the logistics might be easier, but, you know, it's certainly cost impact and so forth. But that's good to hear. There's a, I think it's McNeil or something like that. The guy makes automotive accessories. And so for the last year in car and driver, road and track and motor trend, he's told the story of how he outgrew his previous facilities. And I guess he's more of the Carolinas. He's built a factory. And he said, I've got to do this. It's going to be American-made. I'm hiring, you know, additional American people. And, yeah, the guy like what you just said. He's focused on his product being American-made. And, and I, I agree with that. Um, you know, obviously, I don't really want to get into politics here, but um, we're, you know, we're we're in trouble in this country. And um, and, and part of that is that we, we don't make here anything here. And, and that's it, all revolves around jobs. So uh, by uh, by us trying to make this product here, you know, we're using uh, U.S. based engineers. We've got there's some very, very good tool houses uh, right here in the States. And uh, there's one uh, that we uh, did uh, the first run of the Oxbox with in Canada. Um, you know, and they, you know, they currently make uh, many DCC products uh, for other vendors uh, in the industry. And, um, you know, we do some of the work here uh, in, in-house here. So, you know, we've, uh, you know, there's a job that was created uh, by us for, uh, for uh, an American right here in the, in the good old USA. And, um, um, I'm very, very proud to be able to say that. Well, I think you should be. That's good. Let's think it out of the box, making it work. Okay. Well, Gary, I think uh, we've gotten a lot of information out to the people. I think it's a, it's a good show. Uh, but I do appreciate your time today, Gary. Okay, Paul. We're glad to be here. Okay. Uh-